How come people don't talk about alcoholics as being addicts? Because it's the same because thing. Because it's normal. It's not normal. Though. I mean, not whoa, normal. It's whoa. familiar. It's familiar. Okay. It's familiar. There are more people doing alcohol than they Not doing, more, but like openly, openly using alcohol versus people openly using any other form of drugs. Like even with um, weed, it's legal, but there's still this attached to it you know i used to think um you know when i was young when mm -hmm. my parents like my mom used to tell me about this guy that was always smoking weed in the neighborhood and like mm -hmm. they would say he was crazy because he used to smoke weed all the time so I'm was he crazy realize, because he like, smoked weed or was he crazy because of the things he did when he smoked weed i think it was the fact that he hardly spoke was always high and it always seemed like he was somewhere else. Which is what we does to you, no? Well, <laughs> have you never ha smoked weed? I have. Okay, and? But I was drunk. Okay. So I don't think I got to experience weed in its fullness, you know? Weed in its fullness. <laughs> I was very, very drunk. Um... And I, I risked it, actually, because I smoked weed with someone I have no idea where. He, I, he just fell out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, you've got weed? Let's do this. It could have gone badly very quickly. And that's exactly why I don't drink anymore. I'm reckless. Under the influence. When I use alcohol. You should start using that word more. Using alcohol. Mm. Not drinking it. Because drinking it makes it... Sound like water. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like... And all the marketing is so beautiful, right? It's mm -hmm. like, oh man, this refreshing taste. Okay, drink juice. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Drink like, juice. drink juice. <laughs> How about that? Just but, drink juice. But juice doesn't make me feel better. Is it better... I've been questioning this for the last few weeks. Like, does alcohol make me feel better? Mm-hmm. And what, what answer did you come to? Absolutely not. Like, I'm never happier because I've drank. So why do you still do it? Because I use alcohol. What do you use it for? Because I feel like people use any kind of substance for different reasons. Okay. What, what do you use alcohol for? Okay. So I, I'd go back and go, okay, weed to switch off, right? Okay. So I'm constantly working in my head, in my mind, in my spirit, in my soul, in my heart. I'm constantly trying to find something that I can create, make, publish, share, do, to try and do something. Mm -hmm. When I smoke weed, I don't have to do that. Okay. With alcohol, it's more to run away. Which is more scary. So, weed to numb and escape, alcohol to activate, to run away. Running away and escaping are not the same thing. I wanted to ask you, please, like, define running away versus escaping. Running away means there's something chasing you. Escaping means there's something that's been keeping you in a specific space and you can go somewhere else. But do you not run away to escape? What? Do you not run away in order to escape? 
Because what you're describing for me sounds like running away is the means to an end. Escaping is the destination. Yes. Yes. So you've convinced yourself you use these substances for different reasons and they take you to different places. But they're the same. But they're the same. Could it be that you wanted to differentiate them so it doesn't sound as bad as it is? I think we are constantly finding ways to euphemize how fucked up we actually are as people. Mm-hmm. I think we're really good at that also. Like, we're so good at that. Like, we are so, so good. We have perfected the art of making things not seem as bad as they actually are, especially when it comes to ourselves, because it's hard to actually admit, oh, wait. Mm. That's true. I am way more broken than I can... Admit. Admit, be honest about, truly, you know, openly mm. share. You can't say those things. Ugh. <laughs> and I think it's it's an illusion. Which part? Um, believing that if I don't admit it, I'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because... because People always talk about how, you know, when someone has a drug problem or whatever, mm-hmm. people always start with like, um, what is it? Acknowledging is is the first step to like solving the problem. Yeah. I thought, I don't know if that's true. Is that enough? Like just being able to see it? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. You can see it and still do it. Like there's gang people who are like, you know what? Mm. I am an alcoholic, but you know, they're not going to stop. <laughs> it's like, look, maybe this is who I am. Yeah. And that is even scarier. The, the, the idea that someone can say that to themselves, like, you know what? This is the part of me that I can recognize as being who I am. Mm. And I choose not to change it. However bad it may be and how much impact it might have for someone else. You know what I think then, like after what you just said, that acknowledging something um, or accepting something isn't the same as facing it. Yeah. Because then it means there are two layers to it, right? You need to see it, acknowledge it, okay, yes, but then you need to face it and as in confront it. Hmm. And that's when you really begin now doing the work of and doing any damage that might have, you know, taken place or mm. getting to the root of why you do what you do and, you know, what's what's the deeper issue at mm. hand. Do you think you'd be bold enough to really sit and figure out what the real issue is? Because I don't think it's just work. I don't think it's just wanting to escape. <clears throat> I don't remember a time after 21 where I was truly happy. Uh-huh. Maybe earlier, 15, 11, mm. 9, like in boarding school, like grade 3. I remember just knowing that I was sad all the time. And I felt that life was more a uh, perpetual sadness that was interrupted by moments of happiness rather than a happy experience that was interrupted by sadness. So mm. I think like most people have to make that decision, right? N- obviously when you gain a certain level of like consciousness around yeah. 
who you are and what you feel and like what matters to you you can start to think about like okay am i generally a happy person or a sad person and then decide like how do you actually try and be better so i've always thought that i was like way more sad than i was happy mm-hmm. and when you're a kid you don't have any solutions for it except to like do stuff so for example like in primary school i remember playing hockey just because like that felt good mm-hmm. you know like it felt good to be really good at something mm-hmm. cuz very few people get good at anything maybe they are good at something but they just don't have the opportunity to find that out like how many people have the opportunity to find out what they're actually good at like what their talent is what their purpose might be do you think that's the reason why you work so much yeah because like work now is your hockey then oh yeah okay oh yeah right so like and beyond that i remember just being like in grade 4 and like i had a group of friends whatever but there were times where i just needed to be alone sitting in the middle of a field just looking at the sun mhm you know i'm listening to you and i mean i'm not a psychologist or anything but let's see i just picked up my phone and i'm going to google what clinical depression is because this sounds like depression well for like and not on some <laughs> you went through a bad patch and now you're sad for a really long time and you're depressed but for me at 9 at 10 for someone to say from then up until now life has been this perpetual sadness interrupted by moments of happiness or joy sounds like a clinical issue so let's see cuz i've been depressed before but it wasn't that what did it mean to you um so depression for me has always come in seasons and that's why i don't think i can ever say or be diagnosed as someone who has clinical depression uh-huh. because it's not necessarily an imbalance in psychology yeah it's just something knocks me really hard and i struggle to process it and i stay there in that place for a really long time and then i need help working through that you know and then once i figure out what the coping mechanisms are for that season for that time then after a while i get back on my feet you know but this is very concerning actually it is but i'm not necessarily going to do anything about it and that's my issue with you <laughs> actually now that we're here like if if we're going to take it there let's just i mean that is my issue with you I feel like we have and maybe that's my issue with myself actually. Ooh. But we're not there. Maybe this is what binds <laughs> us, the traumas that we hold within ourselves. Trauma bonds. Trauma bonds. Yeah. Wait, what's a trauma bond? Listen that what, when you go through a trauma together and then mm-hmm. It's it's when there's a part of you that's hurt, there's a part of me that that's hurt and, and those parts other. of ourselves speak to each other and okay. kind of you know, gravitate towards each other. Uh-huh. That's a trauma bond. That's terrifying. It is. Because a lot of relationships out there are based on trauma. When trauma is the basis of your relationship with someone or even a friendship with someone, mm-hmm. what is the 
what is the driving force of that versus say, hey, I'm attracted to you, you are beautiful, I love you, I want to make you happy, versus hey, I've gone through something painful, you've gone through something painful, and we are bound together because of that painful thing. Mm-hmm. What is the basis of, like, what, ha- like, do you know what I mean? Like, what kind of relationship could you possibly have in that situation? I think the original question you asked is what what's the driving force or something like that of a relationship like that and it's literally pain it takes pain to maintain and sustain a relationship that's based on trauma and it takes um, a limitation Um, like you committing to never growing you committing to staying hurt you committing to forever limping through life in order for you to sustain this particular relationship. So I don't actually think that we are trauma bonded. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe they're very weird, like... Here and there. You know, situations <laughs> where it's like, ah, oh, I recognize that, okay. But I don't think that the source of our relationship or the foundation of our relationship is fueled by pain. So... I refuse to believe that we're trauma bonded, child. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, so um, clinical depression is a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed moods or a loss of interest in activities. That sounds like when you wanted to go sit in the middle of nowhere in the sun. Yeah. Causing significant impairment in daily life. And it's caused uh, by a combination of biological, psychological, and social sources of distress. What's your first memory of distress, actually? Oh, man. We're living in a four-bedroom, four-room. Not four-bedroom. Four-room house in Soweto with my family. And, like, uh, you know, it's those situations where it's, like, or the aunts, or mm-hmm. the uncles, or mm-hmm. the cousins, or the nieces, or the nephews are all in one house. It's yeah. a gang of you. Um, and I remember them sort of splitting the house so that... So me and my mom would live in the living room, basically. The corner of the house. Yes, and then okay. they, they blocked the door so that no one could come into that, like, into okay. the house. But you could go outside through okay. that door. Okay. And my uncle, mm-hmm. right, who's like... Because my, my, my grandfather had, like, three wives, and it was, like, mm, a very okay. complicated situation. So he's, like, my mom's stepbrother, not okay. necessarily, like... And I remember being about, I don't know, how old are you when you're in grade three? You're nine. Yeah, I remember being nine, and um, my uncle got drunk one night, and he finally had an awakening that this was dumb. Okay. Like, why did we split the house just to accommodate this person? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. He's drunk out of his mind, and he's, like, flipping angry. Mm-hmm. And he breaks the door. Of this room that you're in. I remember in being in mother. that room with my mom, mm-hmm. right? And, like, my aunts were in there also, because they're just like, no, this can't happen, whatever, whatever. So, wait, what was your uncle's intention? What was the issue? He wanted the whole house to be for his part of his family. Okay. Because okay. my mom is part of, like, the other side of the family or whatever. Ah, okay. I remember seeing his foot go through the door. What? 
and thinking that guy mm. if he gets through that door someone's going to die yeah sure i remember them just like saying okay you guys need to leave and like go sleep at a neighbor's he'll calm down tomorrow we'll fix everything and then being at the neighbors and like seeing them look at you with mm. you know there's sympathy there's empathy but i think there's something even deeper than that where you can't see someone for who they are except for them being a victim mm. and i think that's like one of the worst things i've ever seen someone look at anyone in that like when you look at someone as just a victim mm. that's a it's a very yeah that's a painful thing so i'd say like that was like one of them like that was mm. one of those situations where you're just like wow violence pain alcohol anger it's crazy then that now you have a not so healthy relationship with alcohol now because normally, like, someone who experienced a trauma or, like, a distress in that way, you'd think, like, they'd want to run away from alcohol, you know? Why Why do you think you've run towards it? Because obviously it doesn't, it doesn't turn you into who your uncle was, but I'm just curious why you've run towards alcohol and not away from it. Um, you know, like, I think it's way better than it used to be. Because I think okay. when I was way younger and, like, I was in school... When did you start drinking? All through high school, everyone wanted me to drink. I did not touch the shit. Okay. <laughs> Varsity. No. Living alone with a bunch of guys mm -hmm. and everyone's just like, yo, do you drink? I'm like, um, before you answer the question, you've got a drink in your hand. Mm -hmm. Before you answer the question, you're stumbling towards your room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. Like, I think varsity is like, People talk about peer pressure in high school. Nah, varsity peer pressure is crazy. Like, yeah. College, UJ, crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the way it happened wasn't a good experience either because it was just like, yo, we are drinking to get... Forget our problems. Yeah. School's stressing you, mm -hmm. get a drink. Women are <laughs> stressing you, get a drink. That test didn't go well, get a drink. <laughs> Oh, I had a long day. Get a drink. Yeah. You want to have some lunch? Get a drink. Mm. Just woke up. Have a drink. Get a drink. You're alive. So your reasons start to get less and less and less significant, right? Mm. So it's now not just like, oh, no, this is a special occasion. We're celebrating something. Let's try this. Mm. Now it's literally just like... Breathing the, is a cause for drinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even justify it mm. anymore. Like that. That's when it gets really like... Hmm. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying like I'm an alcoholic. I, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. But like, I don't think so either. Yeah, but like, I think even being able to admit, admit that would take a lot of work, right? Like, yeah. And that's the question: is like, how much work would you need to get into just to understand the relationship you have with something, or even understand the relationship you have with someone? Do you ever think that you've ever been, whether it's friends, family, or, like, romantic, in a relationship for the wrong reasons? And, like, did that work out well? Or, or Being in a relationship for the wrong reasons. Does that even exist? That's what, I, like, that's what I'm trying to process now. 
because I'm realizing that the wrong reasons usually only pop up in hindsight. So when I got into the relationship, when I chose for you to be my friend, um, the reasons were right. Because you spoke to who I was. And you made sense for my life then. So can we really then say there's such a thing as getting into a relationship for the wrong reasons? Maybe that's the real question. Because if we're really honest, an unhealthy relationship is only really labeled as an unhealthy relationship when you look back. Whether looking back is yesterday or looking back is an hour ago, you're always looking back. Never in, in that moment are you saying, you know what, right now, hey, this is unhealthy right now. There's always something that speaks to you and says, you know what, that thing that was said or that phone call or whatever, in hindsight, wasn't healthy. So what does getting into a relationship for the wrong reasons look like? That's the question. You tell me. I don't know. Mm. Let me know when you find out. But I think it exists, though. I think it exists. I think that... I think we're constantly finding ways to justify how bad we are to each to ourselves. Yes. That is true. That is true. And then, on top of that, we start to justify the reasons for which we are bad to others. Mm. And in the noise of everything that's happening, you sort of try to reconcile all of that and find ways to call yourself a good person. <sighs> How many people do you know that honestly can say, you know what, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? Aksimuto shop. I'm a trash person and I'm okay. And I'm okay. What with are you gonna it? do this about it? This is who I am. Mm. And I don't know. I think you, you can think about anyone. Like you know, unfortunately, there's this um, reality of like most people's bad experiences are from men. Mm-hmm. And like you think of people's dads that have you know caused them a lot of pain. Mm. Do you think that person thinks they're a bad person? No. Actually, <laughs> no, they don't. No one ever admits that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, you know what? Mm-hmm. Because I'm always justified in my hurting you. Yes, there's always because a reason. there's reasons that I hold dear to me yeah. that matter. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about what, how it impacts you, but like how I justify it to me. Yeah, that is true. Oh my gosh. Can you think of a time where you were a bad person? Wow. Can I think of a time when I was a bad person? Um, is this, are we talking about an event? Are we talking about a season or a period of time? Hmm. I think there was a time when I made a decision to be a bad person. Okay. Um... I was tired. I was tired of being a good person. I was tired of being a nice person. Not even a good person, but a nice person. Because I think niceness is about perception. It's not really mm. about being good, but it's about being perceived well. Mm. Um, and I was just tired of being nice. Because I just felt like it wasn't doing anything for me. 
in fact, it was hurting me more than anything. And so I made a decision to be cold. And it worked out for a while. But, um, well, the moment where I snapped out of it was when... Oh, and I feel so bad even telling the story. But a cousin of mine tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And when they told me the story, I wasn't concerned I wasn't hurt I wasn't literally the first thing that came out of my mouth was is she dead because it was like okay if she's dead can we start preparing for the funeral if she's not what are we going to do about it but honestly I'm not going to sit in the emotions of the situation next but it was after that when I looked at myself in that moment I was like that's not who you are and I think then and now I am learning, or I learned then and I'm relearning now that you don't have to betray yourself in order to protect yourself, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that's when I was a not-so-great person, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You? Hmm. There's been many, like, situations. Pick one. Hmm. Let's see. You know, every now and then, not even every now and then, every day, I decide to be a bad person in order to protect myself. Every day. Because I will not open my Twitter DMs, even though every now and then I click there and I can see there's like messages Mm -hmm. and hundreds of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And most of them start with, hey, Mash, can you help? As soon as I see, can you help, I close it. Mm. Because but is that being a good person or a nice person? Not opening it. Um, no, you saying that you don't open them because you are choosing to not be a good person. Is it about being good or about being nice? I think that stuff is about being nice. And if I don't make that decision to not open the message, mm. the weight of whatever might be inside it is going to crush me. Mm. And I've had enough of those experiences where I'm giving up a space in my okayness Ooh, wow. to make someone Ooh, else wow. okay. better off. And it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sorry. I can't. I don't have capacity to keep mm. doing this. Oh. Do you even remember what you just said? Like, I'm going to need it again, but I don't know if you, if you remember. <laughs> because Cause sure. I think people do that a lot and, like, you end up, you know, in a worse <laughs> off position than you started with. And, like, you walk around telling people you're such a nice person and people have this perception of you being such a nice person. But... Mm. You're suffering because when you want to be nice, why? I don't want to give up my, you know, like, again, you know, I said at the beginning, I think life is a constant state of sadness Mm -hmm. that is interrupted by momentary happiness or joy. So if my joy and like real, you know, excitement about life Mm -hmm. is very short lived and comes in very short bursts. Mm. I can't afford to I give that up. It, I really yeah. want to appreciate like, and enjoy those moments because mm. if I'm 
constantly like in the state and then i get that out of it once in a while when i'm not in the state listen you know what i mean mm. so it's like i get it like oh people need help that's why i try and like scale the stuff that i try and help people with okay and what i started to realize is people don't don't want to click the link that you built a website on to do something mm. no they want to talk to you Bali, tell me, you tell me. I want you. What's the coffee that you drink? Where do you buy it? What? I drink the coffee everybody drinks. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I want your opinion. I want to I wanna look you in the eye. I want the message that you typed. Mm. I want you to say my name and look me in the eye and help me in this moment where yeah. I need you. It's like, who are you to demand that of a complete stranger? True. But it's the age we live in now. It's become normal. I have access to you, you and the next person and it's okay. And I don't I think it's messed with like people's humanness. Like we've forgotten that I don't know you. Yo I really don't know you. I, <laughs> <laughs> we forget Someone meets you and looks at you with the eyes of someone they've known. And because like, how dare you not know me? So, I, I'm always shocked by how people... Sometimes, <laughs> you know, that happens every now and then when mm-hmm. someone looks at me and they're like, Oh, hey, Mesh. I'm just like... Hmm. Hello? The tone you Question? just used, the your body language, the way you're looking at me, tells me that friends. you recognize... You don't just see me. You recognize me. Yeah. There's a familiarity that you have with me that I have no perception yeah. of. Like, I don't know you in any way. Yeah. But you recognize me. And in this moment, I must now find a way to try and meet you, to match you at there. that energy. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, These days he's changed. And that's what these like, platforms have done now. It's, like, yeah. it's just sort of warped our relationships with people. And ourselves. Very much ourselves. Yeah. Like, who are you versus who you're pretending to be? And who do you want to be? Like, it's it's literally... There's so many potential versions of yourself. It's disturbing, actually. There's so many potential versions of yourself. Mm. Potential. And the one you invest the most time in is the one that becomes reality, right? Mm. <laughs> and... I think we spend so much time... We spend more time investing in our virtual selves. That maybe that's why we use alcohol. And that's why we use drugs. And, you know, because when it's quiet, when there's nobody else to engage with, it's not, a, it's not you and your potential selves anymore. It's you and you. Now what? And so now you can't go to sleep. You need some help. Now you can't just enjoy a good meal. Because the food doesn't taste the same. So you need a drink. And that becomes a lifestyle. And I think maybe we don't realize that in doing that, you're also creating a version of yourself, actually. Because if you're spending time, you're always investing some form of a substance into this person. Are you not then bringing someone else to life someone you don't like and so you feel like you need another substance to make that guy go away to create another guy 
oh, we're in trouble. Those, <laughs> those generations are actually in trouble. What scares you most in the world right now? What scares me most in the world right now? Hmm. I think never coming into my fullness. Like um I'm in a I'm in the state where for the first time probably ever I feel like who I am and what I do matters more than anything. And I'm not willing to compromise that for anything or anyone. So I think that's why, you know, what scares me the most now is not coming into my fullness. Like, imagine you live 30, 40, 50 years and you're living a lie. Oh, that makes me want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I do not want that for myself. Because I see people say, oh, death scares them. I don't think there's anything to really be afraid of in dying. If you know you're living well and you're living the way that you're supposed to. I think a lot of the time we say death scares us, not because death itself scares us, but we're scared of what death represents, you know? So yeah, anyway, that's that's what that's what I think I'm afraid of right Are now. Are you happy? I'm not. But I'm I'm pursuing happiness intentionally so. And I think that's that's a good start. That's, that's a good start. I'm not happy, I'm healing. Whoa. You know, and I think healing that is, beautiful. is I think healing is a pursuit of happiness, so that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't think people pursue healing as much as they do happiness. Because for them, they're different things. I know, but... Um, I think consciousness is rare. What does consciousness mean? Self-awareness. Being able to see yourself and like what you really care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you believe in. And the things that you're not willing to compromise on. Mm. It's not as common as we think it is. Like we like to think that, oh no, everyone sort of has that figured out. But yeah. no. I'm one of those people who naively think everybody is there. I don't think so. I think that it's a very dangerous assumption because like mm. what you're saying is like you you start a conversation on the basis that this person knows who they are. Sure. And the question is whether or not they they truly do. And if they don't, then the conversation you're about to have mm. will never truly reach the level at which it truly needs to. Yeah. That's how I feel about my work, though. Okay. <laughs> That's really how I feel. Um, and I think up until you said it now, I'd never understood what the issue was. Um, first of all, it took me a long time to finally say, I say things that matter, hey? You guys need them, hey? I need them too. I mean, I go back sometimes and I listen to some of the podcasts that I've recorded. Um, But I've never understood why it never really takes off. And I think it literally just connected now, today, on the 27th of of May, (laughs) 2021, that I've always recorded, produced, or whatever, and put out work from a perspective of the person on the other side is ready to have this conversation. 
and is able to have this conversation because you might be willing but you might not have the capacity to have the conversation hmm okay we always think people are going to meet us at the level mm. that we're at yeah not the level that they are at so how do you bridge the gap then you can't yeah <laughs> i don't think you can there's no like consciousness machine self awareness mm. course these things are not things that you can... <clears throat> these are things that... Like, you know, what we were talking about pursuing healing. Like, that's work. Like, you actively yeah. work to do that. It's the same thing with happiness. You actively work to be happy. Mm. Like, someone was saying... Again, same guy, Naval. He was like... Um, if you're so sm- smart, why aren't you happy? Because everyone talks about happiness very easily. And like, yeah. they think they're very smart. Most people think they're smart. If you're so smart, why aren't you happy? Like, if happiness is a decision that you make daily and, like, you actually can do that, then what's the thing that's stopping you? Yeah. And it's really down to most people just aren't self-aware. Most people are not facing themselves. Mm. And it's hard to do that if you're not consciously doing it. Mm. Like, you can't... You can't get to know yourself by mistake. Sure. <laughs> That's what I think. Mm. Mm. Those are things that can't happen by mistake. They just can't. They can't. They can't. They cannot happen by mistake. Sure. That's a word right there, actually. Sure. I think that... Yeah. Sometimes the world is not ready to receive what you're saying. So what do you do in the meantime? Keep working. <laughs> Isn't that a myth though? What? Just keep just keep working. One day eventually something somewhere will happen. Hmm, really? It's kinda like what you said now. You can't get to know yourself by mistake. You can't succeed by mistake either. No. So now what? You can't bridge the gap. There's no consciousness machine. Okay, we get that. Now what? What's the solution? Because you've got problems. <laughs> What's the solution? I think we also just think like there's always just a solve around the corner. Maybe not around the corner, but it can be in progress. You know? When you're working on a solution actively, little by little, you're coming up with something. But I just don't believe that there's such a thing as, ah, it's just, it, this is how it is and then that's it. I just, I can't believe that. Because that's terrifying. True. And it's uncertain. And I think we hate uncertainty. I'm fine with uncertainty. Why? Don't you think certainty would be boring? Like, to know for sure what would happen at exactly what point. That's, that's like... We think it would be boring. We don't know. No. I'm fine with uncertainty. I enjoy it. I embrace it. I meet it as a friend, just like failure. Do you really? Oh, yeah. You have to meet failure as a friend. What does that mean? Like, people hate failing. Mm-hmm. But if you the sort of person that embraces that failure and takes it on and says, oh, this is super cool, 
Thank you so much for this. It sounds crazy. It, it's not crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I it think sounds that very crazy. If you embrace failure and you like welcome it when it happens and you want to learn from it and you like take the time to get to know it, you'll find out that you could learn so much more than you actually suffer. So people think of failure as being something that you suffer mm-hmm. instead of something you embrace. Mm. Say meet failure as a friend, not as a disease. Mm. I hear you, but also... I also think like the people that end up doing the best things in the world mm. are so comfortable with the pain that it takes to actually endure failure over and over again. Mm. But not comfortable in the way that, like, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm going to keep doing this. Just failing all the time. <laughs> no. But in a way that, oh, man, I'm going to learn so much from this. Mm. I'm going to take this. I'm going to turn it into something else. I can't wait for whatever that something else actually is. Yeah. And I'm going to embrace that journey. And then the next journey. And then the next journey. I think, like, like back to the beginning of what we were speaking about. Most people are just too afraid to face themselves. Yeah. And if you're afraid to sit, face yourself, you'll never get to know yourself. And you can look at like the most successful people in the world. They have the one thing you can see that they have in common is knowing who they are. Like they can comfortably say, "No, this is who I am." Yeah. And when they do bad things, like for example, like richest man in the world doesn't pay any taxes. You know, his employees are some of the most exploited people in the world. He knows who he is. Mm. I am comfortable with the decisions I am making. Yeah. I am exploiting thousands of people. Mm. And I am filthy rich. Cool. And that's it. That's me. <laughs> okay. I'll, okay, I'll cool. with me now. All right. Mm, <laughs> I see. What? Mm. When I, you don't know who you are. So when this decision like that comes up and it says, hey, look. We can either save the business or fire some people. What do you want to do? Uh, I know. I, 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 uh, can we not do You're worried both? about being, being nice. You're worried about still being successful. You're still worried about like making sure that people know that you're successful. Yeah. But you still want to be nice. So you don't want to... It's like, wait. So you don't know who you are. Like, that's the one thing I realize about super successful people. They know who they are. And they are mm. comfortable with embracing that in a very unapologetic way to the level at which most people can't. Yeah. Most people can't. Like, you put that decision in front of them. They go, oh, crap. Another guy goes, oh, no, cool. This is what we How many people do, do we need and to And this fire? is why. Yeah. yeah. Can we do it in a good way? Yeah, cool. Okay. Let's find a good it. way to do it. But, like... It's getting we, done it anyway. Is, it's definitely getting... No. Let me say, Benzi, are you cool? oh man I agree because I mean you look at like one of I don't know what you can call her she the most loved the most successful I guess a bit of both Oprah yeah and she lives in a society that says you are absolutely nothing if you're a woman and you don't have a child and you're not married and she said says who and she's living her life and every day she wakes up to say says who and she's not shaken, like she's not moved. Her life was not disrupted by the fact that okay, this thing is lacking because someone else says yeah. it's lacking. It's it's kinda crazy that, you know, probably in her generation she seemed like mm. the craziest person. Mm. Like, wow, why would What's you not want you? that? And then you look at our generation, thirty years old, most of us 
nothing inside. No marriage, no nothing. <laughs> and it's just like nothing. a comment, just like, no. Mm. Why? Mm. People, I, I see this every day on Twitter. Um, ladies that are way beyond 30. Yeah. And they and then someone will be like, oh, I'm pregnant. And they'll, they'll comment and they'll be like, how are you pregnant? That's teenage pregnancy. I'm like, whoa, we thirty, we in thirty, we not, we in, we not 30s, guys. Like, what are you talking about? Oh my goodness. Whereas, like Oprah's generation, that was mm. like everything to us. There's days where I'm, I'm not sure that will ever happen for me, and I'm okay with that. When did you stop being okay with it? I don't know, but I remember being terrified of the feeling of being okay with it. Why? Because I had thought that that's what I always wanted all my life. And now it's like... What do you want now? I want way more moments of joy to interrupt the constant sadness. You just... you just All you want in life is to not be depressed. Yeah. That's it? <laughs> well, that if that's what I am, right? Yeah. But I think that's... We we are a pretty depressed generation. Yep. All of us, clinically or not, whether you know it or not, whether you can term it that or not, but literally all of us just, I just want to not be depressed. I say it in my prayers sometimes. Like, God, I just, literally, I say, I call it being okay. Like, God, I just want to be okay. And I want to stay okay. You know? So, but then... We have to pause. Uh-huh. I have to jump on a call. Ooh, you and your calls. <laughs> but that, that pushes me to actually try and do something. Okay. Which I don't know what. I'm probably going to go look for food.